0: This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. God bless you. Please grab a seat. Hey, if you're here for the very first time this morning, I just want to say welcome. Thank you for choosing to hang out with us on this rainy day. Man, it's so good to see you. And... Um, You're wondering right now, what are they doing? We'll get to it, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. They're not just changing the light bulb, we'll get to it. But I have a confession to make. As we begin this morning, I need to let you know that uh, you have blown me away and gone beyond what I would have anticipated. Um, I, I knew months ago we needed to do this series, and God began working in my heart and life about this series. And if you're a guest this morning, you came on a great Sunday. We're in the fourth week of a series dealing with generosity, and that can be a challenging subject, that can be a tough subject, but it is something that the Word of God speaks directly to, and it speaks clearly about, and i got to be honest, here's the confession. When I knew this was coming, I thought, man, our attendance is going to take a hit. It's going to go. There are going to be people that come on the first week and find out five weeks on generosity, bye, Felicia, I'll see you in six weeks. Like, I'm busy until then. But every week. Now, this morning, the rain hit us because there are some people. Rain? Oh, can't go outside. But, but apart from that, man, what you've done last week, this service, we had a hard time finding seats for families that came in by the third song. I mean, who you are, how hungry you are for the word of God, how much you want to live the life God has called us to—it—it it, it, it blew me away. I shouldn't be blown away by you, but man, you encourage me. In fact, I, I want to ask those of you that can. Some of you can. If you don't have a child, fifth grade and younger, and you're not serving in a role that that we desperately need you on on Sunday morning, we need about 50 people to move to 6 o'clock Sunday evening. And so if you'd be willing to just pray about that, think through that, that that is a way some of you can actually serve. Today is not a good representation. It's a rainy day. But if, if you were here last week, you remember last week, like normally the week's packed house, especially at 11, So those of you that could move to 6 p.m., you're going to do a couple of things. It's an incredible way to serve, to love Jesus and love others, because you're going to free up seats that we need on Sunday morning because we have more and more guests coming. But also, you're going to infuse some energy in that 6 o'clock service, and that is equally helpful. So just toss that out there. Those of you that can do it, man, I I want to encourage you to do that. I've asked the ushers to pass out a card, and so they're going to this morning— Uh, pass this card out right now guys go ahead and pass that out get a card in everybody's hand if you haven't done that already you may already have it Um, we're not turning in any cards today but I want I want you to have this because we're going to get to this in a moment this is more than a piece of paper it is a spiritual tool for something God is doing in the life of our church and if you're a guest you're welcome to take one in fact I want you to have one we're completely transparent about what we're doing in the life of C3, and you're going to see how much we value you, how much how important you are to us. That's the reason we're in this generosity initiative. The primary thing is I'm asking God to unleash his transformative power in each of our lives, but for that to happen, if you're a part of C3, you got to go on this journey. Also, secondary, man, we're growing. It's been just over two years, and we need more space because of the people that are coming, and so very quickly, there are three goal, or, or three parts of this initiative. The first one is we're igniting our church, we're also igniting our community, and we're igniting our future. You can go to the website, c3church.cc forward slash ignite. You can see all about it. You can look at the past messages in this series, really glean more about what all this is about. Also on that page, there's a link to our 2024 budget that just kind of gives an overview of what we're doing with these funds and how we're utilizing this to really advance the cause of Christ to help more people, to reach more people, to help more people meet Jesus. And here's what I know. If we are faithful, God will make sure that we're successful. If we're faithful to do our part, God will do His part. The Bible says if you honor God, God will honor you. If you trust God, God will provide for you. If you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. And we know it is a spiritual principle woven through the pages of Scripture that where you put God first, you invite God's presence into that area of your life, God will bless the rest. If I put God first in my marriage, God is going to bless that. If I put God first in my career, God is going to bless that. If I put God first in the decisions I make, and I seek the will of God and ask for the wisdom of God, God is going to bless that area. And the same thing is true when it comes to our finances and generosity. Most people, most people just want to go through life. Because life has a way of beating life out of you. You have walked through some challenges. You've been through some difficult days. And the longer you live, the more hope can start to evaporate and erode. And, and the more you can feel like this is just my life, I've got to just settle for what it is. But I, I don't think that's what God has for us. So you've got to answer the question, and only you can answer this for you. You've got to answer the question, do you want to go through life, or do you want to grow through life? Because they're two very different things. So this morning, for just a few moments, we're in these two chapters in 2 Corinthians, the longest section in Scripture that has to deal with generosity. God thought that it was important enough for us to look at it and talk about it. And here's the thing about any series on generosity. Let me help you. A series on generosity? Generosity is a series on marriage. A series on generosity is a series on parenting. A series on generosity does have to do with our spiritual lives and practically everything about our lives because we factor in money and finances and resources in every area of life. And so this impacts everything. I've been asked this question. What does generosity look like? Specifically, what does it look like in our lives Today? It's an important question because next Sunday is Commitment Sunday. Those of you that are part of C3, I've asked you to plan, to pray, to take the journey, to have an encounter with Jesus as it comes to generosity in your life, and to be ready next Sunday to make your two year commitment about what God's going to have you do, what God's asking you to do as your part of Ignite. You are handed this commitment card. I've asked them to put that on the screen for a moment because on this commitment card, it deals with our journey. This is a spiritual tool. and you're praying and asking God what your part is. I'm praying and asking God what my part is. Angel, I believe He's shown us that. I knew about this before you did, and so I've shared with you what we're doing, but you're asking God how He would stretch you, how He would lead you in your personal growth, your spiritual growth, your generosity. Angel and I've asked that question, and Paul asked the church in Corinth. The same question. To diligently seek the Lord's will, and I'm asking you to do that this week. In fact, Wednesday night, you need to know about this, especially if you're a volunteer. If you're you're a volunteer, you're a leader in the life of C3. And so our staff, all of our volunteers, all of our leadership, I've asked you to join us this Wednesday night. We're going to have a special worship night. And the leaders, all of us, we're going to make our commitments Wednesday night. And so, man, I want you to be here. It's going to be an incredible night. One of the most historic nights in the life of C3 this Wednesday night. And then together as a church, we'll all make the commitment next Wednesday night. So what does generosity look like? A couple of things. Generosity is more about priorities than percentages. It's more about priorities than percentages. Notice with me 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. There is no need. For me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. For I know your eagerness. It can also be translated readiness. Your eagerness to help. And I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians. Telling them that since last year you and Achaia were ready to give. And your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. That phrase, service to the Lord's people. It's important to understand that for some, generosity is how you serve. Some of you are uniquely blessed financially, beyond what most are. And you have the capacity to significantly fund God's vision through the local church. This speaks of you. It is a service to the Lord's people. It's one of the ways you can serve. But then those two words, your enthusiasm. Did you know that you're contagious? Did you know that? And not even a mask will protect other people from you. You're contagious. Who you are As a person, you are constantly, as a follower of Jesus, spreading faith or fear in how you lead your family and how you parent your kids and how you function in your relationships and your friendships, in your job, in your workplace, on your street. You are contagious. You're a positive person or a negative person. You spread faith or you spread fear. You spread trust or you spread skepticism. You're all about selflessness or selfishness. The question is, if everyone was like you, what kind of church would we have? If everybody functioned like you, the church around the globe, if every Christ follower functioned like you, what kind of church would we have? Their enthusiasm, the Word of God says, stirred people to action because they lived out their faith and it increased their influence. And I've got to be honest with you. I love the way you as a church are contagious. Because your enthusiasm, your love for God and your love for people has impacted my life. God has used you to change my life. God has used you to change my family. I am forever grateful. You, who you are, you do far more for me than I could ever do for you. Your enthusiasm. But notice early in verse 1. There's no need for me to write to you about this. He's saying it's unnecessary. I don't need to go on and on. I, I don't need to brag about all that God's doing, all the life change that was happening at the church in Corinth. He's saying because you're there, you, you see it. When it comes to ministering to people through the local church, you're a part of it day in, day out, week in, week out. You, you see it. He says, I, I know your eagerness, your, your readiness. Basically, he's saying to the church at Corinth, when you see the need, you meet the need. It, it's who you are. There's no need to brag about it. You already know that. However, So many of you are new to C3. So I want to take just a moment to brag on what God's been doing. And as I talk about what I'm about to talk about, you and I need to have a foundational understanding, and it is this. Only God can change a life. Only God. I can't do it. And as awesome as you are, you can't do it. You can allow God to use you. But it is God who changes lives. God builds the church. God changes lives. So everything I'm about to talk about, ultimately, I'm bragging on Jesus. I'm bragging on God and what God is doing. Because without Him, none of this would have happened. Even if all of us are together, none of this happens without the Spirit of God using the Word of God to change people's lives. That's the only way it happens. Did you know that in our student ministry, the attendance has doubled in the last two years? Did you know we've seen 577 students attend our student ministry? Did you know there are 54 students that serve each Sunday in the life of C3? Did you know that we already have more students signed up for camp this coming summer than the whole number we took last summer? God is doing something very special in the life of our student ministry. And more than that, more than that, have you noticed the way our students lead in worship on Sunday mornings? In fact, students, let me say a word to you. I don't care if the adults are listening right now or not. I want to talk to students for a second. Adults, y'all can look on Pinterest or whatever it is you do. Students, the way you lead this room in worship, it's contagious. I don't know if you know it, but there are some adults that come in this room on Sunday, and they think they're coming to a funeral every week. I don't know if you know it, but Jesus got up. He's not in the grave anymore, and we have something to celebrate. And students, you lead the way in how that happens. It is contagious. Don't ever stop worshiping the way you worship, and I'm praying to God that some adults get it in this room at some point. I hope it happens. It's incredible what God is doing. We could learn something about diving into worship from our students. When it comes to C3 kids, did you know we've seen over 740 kids attend in the last two years? We're setting a new direction and a new pace for their lives. They're starting early, learning about Jesus on their level because of the adults that take the time, not because they have the time, they take the time to prioritize serving and making a difference in future generations. And kids are learning about the purpose Jesus has for them in their lives. I'm excited. And I can't wait to give. Because I I get excited about a church that's making a major investment in future generations. I'm excited about giving because of the stories of life change that I'm hearing so often, so broad, what God is doing in many of our small groups. I'm excited about giving because of the life change that's happening in the lives of those who serve and who volunteer to make a difference. I'm excited because of the stories I keep hearing from so many leaders and from our staff sharing what's happening as you share your stories. I'm excited. Because in just the last two years, I'm excited about giving because in just the last two years, we have helped to provide over 29,000 meals to people in need right here in Central Florida. We've provided hundreds of kids with school supplies that would not have had supplies. I'm excited about giving because of the way we support unwed teenage moms in crisis pregnancies through the Beta Center. I'm excited about giving because in just over two years, we've baptized 190 people that have taken their next step in saying yes to Jesus. I'm excited about giving because of what the Spirit of God is doing in people's lives as together in just over two years, we've seen 526 people give their lives to Jesus on Sundays in this room. That's incredible. And I'm excited because within driving distance of this campus, there are 540,000 people. And 460,000 of them don't know Jesus. I know things are tough right now. I know we live in a challenging world more than anything I've known in my lifetime. But the people that are hurting, the people that feel hopeless, 460,000 people that don't know Jesus, they need hope now. They cannot afford for us to wait. And so we will be like the church in Macedonia. We're we're very much like the church in Corinth, but that that church in Macedonia, it was a church, a people, a culture in poverty. It wasn't a wealthy area. They didn't have much. And the Bible says they gave from what they had. The Bible, I didn't write this. God wrote it in the eighth chapter of 2 Corinthians that they gave even beyond their means because they were so excited about participating in what God was doing through the church. The church in Corinth, They were fat rich. They could coast. They could put on cruise control. And so the apostle Paul, the spirit of God through Paul, is challenging the church in Corinth where they have it pretty good. And by the way, by the way, I know things are tough, but if you look at the globe, we're doing all right. We're far better than most. It's very easy to step back and become selfish and inward and have a selfish perspective and not recognize God has blessed us uniquely to be a blessing And we look at the church in Macedonia that was struggling financially, and they gave even beyond their means. That's just Bible. Angie and I are going to be generous because the need is great. But I got to tell you, the gospel, the good news is greater. We have the answer. His name is Jesus. And we have a strategy and a plan to make him even more famous in central Florida We have the opportunity as a church to make Orlando the hardest place to go to hell from. We have a very unique opportunity to meet the needs people have in mental health, emotional health, the the things that people are going through, to address the issues of spiritual health, which impact everything else. Because in a lonely, confused, hurting, and dying, broken, messed up, fouled up world, the church is the hope of the world. That was God's idea. This is Hope City. This is where hope is the primary thing that should be contagious as people are introduced to Jesus and invited to call God Father by a loving God who wants to know every single person no matter what your background or past is. This is a place where we don't tear you down because of your past. We want to build bridges into your life and build you up to live the life God created you to live in your future. That's what happens here. They had this mentality. The church in Macedonia, if you see the need, meet the need. Generosity is always less about what you give and more about why you give. It's about priorities more than percentages. And Paul, the Spirit of God through Paul says, I want you to be ready. The same thing I've been saying for the last few weeks, the same thing the Word of God, more importantly, has been saying to us, be ready. This is it. This is the week. Wednesday night, leaders, we're going to commit because leaders go first. Next Sunday, the whole church, it's Commitment Sunday. Take these cards. Continue to pray for this. Bring these cards with you. And this week, as you're praying through and finalizing what God's leading you to give toward Ignite, my encouragement is to first think about why you're giving. Think more about priorities, even than percentages. Is God and His miraculous, life-changing work through the local church a priority in my life? And then pray and pledge accordingly, because this priority will carry what happens in the life of the church the next two years. You can have the nicest jet on the tarmac But if there's no fuel, it doesn't move. And if there's no fuel, it will never fulfill its purpose. Our generosity is the jet fuel that moves the church into people's lives and into helping and reaching people. Notice verse 3. But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Generosity is more about priorities than percentages. And generosity is more about the sacrifice than the size. It's more about the sacrifice than the size. Everybody in this room is on a journey. And ultimately in life, ultimately, there are really only two paths we can take. That's it. You boil it all down, it comes to one of two paths. One path is foundational. It's what the Word of God teaches Life was God's idea. God is the one that created life. He created marriage. He created parenting. He created resources and how to manage that. And he says, hey, I have a plan, and God's plan will always elevate our lives beyond anything we could do. But then there's another path. The other path is what I want. The other path are my selfish desires. And one of the things that happens, especially I've traveled around the world in different churches, been on mission trips to many different countries, especially in our Americanized Western culture. One of the things that we do, especially in church, especially as Christ followers, is often we try to live our lives, I want some of what God says, but I want some of what I say. Somebody hurt me. And I'm going to hold on to that, and I'm going to be bitter. And I'm going to be angry. And it's going to affect how I see them. And I lean into how I feel. The challenge of the Word of God is to lean into our faith where God says, you and I need to forgive people. And sometimes we do, and sometimes we don't. I I let my feelings drive so much of my life. I I, want to elevate my life. I want to go higher, and so I'm going to lean into what I want for success, what I want to achieve, the kind of house I want, the kind of car I want, the things that make me feel good. God says, hey, don't don't chase success, chase significance. You can have a measure of success without ever being significant. But if you live a significant life, success comes along for the ride. And significance is loving God and loving others. Significance, according to the Word of God, is seeing people, every single person you you and I lock eyes with is deeply loved by God, seeing people as even more valuable than I am, and being willing to serve, to love God and love others. This is as high as I'm going, but you get the picture. (laughs) Here's the issue. The Word of God will always elevate your life and take you higher than you could ever take you. And we limit ourselves, and when you live with one foot as a Christ follower and one foot making your own decisions and what you want in spite of what the Bible says, you only get so far, it creates a lot of stress, And if you're afraid of heights, it creates even more. (laughs) Some people, they claim to be a follower of Jesus, but they lean into gossip. They talk about other people. They share their opinions. Some people talk about their ideas about everything that's wrong. They don't talk about 526 people meeting Jesus. They don't talk about 190 people being baptized. They don't talk about what's happening in student ministry and kids' ministry. They've always got a critique and a criticism. But the Word of God says we're to be the kind of people that celebrate what God's doing. We're the kind of people that you're never supposed to gossip. In fact, did you know the Bible says there's six things God hates, yea, seven? And the seventh thing, the Scripture literally says people that stir dissension. But it's so easy to jump on that gossip train and to run down the church. And when you do that, you're diving into your flesh. And the Bible, God calls that sin, and he says he hates it. So the people that you talk about at the office, the people you talk about in your neighborhood, and there's something crazy about humanity. We tend to bond around gossip so often. Listen, what are you spreading? In this journey, you have a choice. You can do things your way, or you can follow what Jesus says. And every time you follow what Jesus says, it will benefit your life and it will elevate your life far beyond anything you could ever do. So as it relates to this journey through Ignite, we're all on a journey. I've asked you to be praying and seeking God, have an encounter with Jesus as, it, as it's related to generosity in your life. And every one of us are somewhere in the journey. Some of you, some of you are going to become an initial giver. It's the first step. You've not given anything to C3, but you know what the Word of God says? We're walking through these two chapters and you feel like, man, I, I want to dive in. And so you're going to start... Just giving sometimes an initial giver that that's who you are. Others of you you you've done that. Maybe you gave three or four hundred dollars last year, maybe a thousand. You're going to become a consistent giver. You're you're going to have a plan. You you want to be more consistent, a little more intentional. Others of you you're you're going to be a priority giver. It's going to take prior, I mean a percentage giver. It's going to take a greater percentage in your life. I believe the Bible teaches that tithing is the biblical mandate. Old Testament, and people say, oh, it's just Old Testament. You don't know your Bible. In Matthew, Jesus endorses what the Old Testament says. And he says, hey, the standard is 10%. Bring the first 10% to God. And I've told you, by the way, if you're new to C3, before you get all funny about money or if you're a guest this morning, I encourage you, if you think I'm trying to manipulate you, if you think I have some ulterior motive, tithe to another church. You can still come here because these are the greatest people in the world. But, but tied to a different church, I don't want you to miss what God wants to do in your life. And for some of you, you your past initial, you, your, past, your past consistent, you're at the third step, percentage giver. And God's going to lead you to the 10% or on your way to 10%. Maybe for you, you're bumping it from 2% to 8%, but you're on the way to 10% because that's the biblical standard. And then others of you, you're a progressive giver. I'm not going any higher. You're a progressive giver you're taking that next step. You're going to elevate your life because you've been tithing. And one of the things about tithing, it's easy to put on cruise control. It's easy to get there and forget about it and not think about it. But God encourages us and God wants to engage us in spiritual growth. We grow in uncomfortable places. We can do what's comfortable, or we can do what's courageous. The Macedonian church did not lean back in comfort. they did what was courageous. And for some of you, you've been tithing, and God's going to lead you to lean into generosity, and you're going to take that next step into, into becoming a progressive giver, and you're going to go from 10 percent to 12 or 15 or 20. I don't know however God leads you. And then the next step, lifetime giver. Lifetime giver. Some of you, you already tithe. You already give over 10 percent. And God is going to do a shift in your thinking and in your mindset, in this journey where you're spending time praying. He's going to lead you to go even further, whereas a lifetime giver, you start to think more about what you can give than you can keep. You start to think more about your eternity portfolio than your retirement portfolio. And it's not that you don't plan for retirement. It's not that you're not wise, but you want to be strategic. Lifetime giver is where legacy comes into place. And what you're going to do is you're going to elevate beyond even that and lean heavy into generosity, and God is going to use it Not just for the next two years, but he's going to use it to change generations. Every single person is on a journey, and I need to be honest with you. I celebrate this step as much as this one. I just want to see spiritual momentum in your life. I want to see the Spirit of God work in your life and unleash his transformative power in your life. Every person's on a journey, and every journey starts somewhere. So... Where are you? And what is your next step? Now, some people grow like crazy. Some people leapfrog. They bypass initial consistent, and they jump to percentage. Like, where are you in the journey? Paul is saying it's more about the sacrifice than the size. Notice verse 4. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. We find this comparison. Hey, the Macedonians, they dove in, they did it. What about you, church at Corinth? Paul is saying the Macedonians, they didn't go to that comfortable place. They leaned into a courageous place. If you look at the card that was passed out, on the very back of it, you don't have to open it, the two-year goal, you see the secondary goal. The number one goal is 100% engagement. I don't want you to miss what God's going to do in your life. I don't want you to miss taking this journey if you're a part of C3 and you're a Christ follower. The secondary goal, and it is way secondary. First goal, 100% engagement. Secondary goal, way down here, $3.6 million. This is one of the ways that we get to that place. This is what the Word of God is talking about. This is planning. This is preparing. This is a spiritual tool. But when you look at this, do not let your eyes, your heart, and your purpose settle on what's comfortable Step into courageous. Follow the example that Scripture leads us in, just like in the church in Macedonia. Over the years, I've heard people say things like, when I have more, I'll give more. Can I I be honest with you? That's really the only thing I know to do. With me, what you see is what you get. I'm the same guy here that I am anywhere else in life, and I'm going to be honest with you, and and I'm I'm going to love you enough to for some of you say some things that might be a little bit awkward because nobody's loved you enough to be honest and awkward and still love you even if you disagree or even if you don't do what God's asking you to do. When I have more, I'll give more. Honestly, I've not seen that be true in years of ministry. What I've noticed is when people's income goes up, their cost of living usually goes up. I've noticed that most of the time when people's income goes up, a lot of times, their giving goes down. 10% of 100000 is a lot more than 10% of 40000 And there's something crazy that happens when our giving goes up. I mean, when our income goes up. American math is the more money you make does not turn into the more money you give. It turns into the more money you spend. So often, according to research, the most generous people are lower-income families. What's interesting is often in an economic downturn or recession, for lower-income families, the giving goes up. Do you know who the least generous people in the United States are? (laughs) Uh, Some of you, I'm about to ruin your lunch. Some of you are not going to like this statement. And before I make it, please understand, I am not making a political statement because politics are not what's going to save this nation. I'm making a statement of fact. That's important to understand because there is a thinking in our nation that is becoming a dominant thinking that is completely unbiblical. The reality is the least generous, you can look this up, like you can find this out on your own. The least generous, wealthy white people that are liberal. Now, if you happen to be white and liberal, I don't know if you're wealthy or not, you have an opportunity to change the trend. Like, I'm not bashing you. God loves you. I'm I'm just, I'm I'm having the courage a little bit to tell you the truth, and I have a great security team, so I'm not too worried about it. But but in fact, and I spend five days a week in the gym, and on Saturdays, I box, so we can go if you want to go. But the reality is, listen, the least generous people are wealthy white liberals. Statistically, you look it up. That's not a political statement. It's a factual statement. Listen, these are the people that love to be generous with everybody else's money. 2019, I'll prove it, 2019, Bernie Sanders, let's fill the burn for a minute. Bernie Sanders, he had an income that year of over $1 million. He gave only $10,000 to charities, 1%. He's got a lot of ideas about what we all need to do to take care of everybody, but not with his own money, with your money. Listen, the reality is that's not generosity. That's not $10,000 and he makes over a million. I don't make a fraction of a million, and Angie and I gave way over that. I'm just being honest with you. This is ridiculous, the kind of thinking we have, because we have abandoned what God says his plan is for the church impacting society and culture. We've dove into what we want, and what we want is I want you to pay for it. I don't want to have to pay for it. I want everybody else to, I want the government to take care of it. But according to the Bible, it is the church that's supposed to be the hope of the world. It's the church that's supposed to take care of widows and orphans. It's the church that's supposed to make a difference in society. That's why this whole government thing doesn't work. They're broken, fouled up, messed up. They can't accomplish jack squat. And you know it every time you go to the DMV. It's just a reality. They can't pull it off, but they were not created to. The church is supposed to do its job. But because some Christians live spiritually obese lives, being lazy and rocking back in our apathy and don't do jack, somebody else is trying to step up and take care of what the church is supposed to You're welcome. You're welcome. That was a little more than the first service. I don't know why. Apparently some of you need to hear something. <laughs> the reality is, the reality is, if you're mad at me, I'm not going to lose a minute of sleep, and I'm not going to be mad at you. See, I understand that maturity says that we can disagree and I can still love you. So you're not going to ruin my week. I'm going to have a great week. But think with me. The church, it's unlike any organization in the world. Think about it. The church runs based on volunteers. Some of you, you serve and you lead teams of people. I want you to understand something. True leadership, the true test of leadership, is when you can lead volunteers. You can impress me with what you do in the business world, by how you lead employees, but they're paid. You show me people that serve in various aspects of the life of C3, you're leading volunteers, you're a far better leader. When you can motivate, inspire, and get results out of volunteers, it's the test of leadership. Because in the reality, in the life of the church, nobody pays dues. We don't charge admission. We, we don't charge a price for seats. Now, i thought about it. I haven't run this by Barry Leathers, but I thought we need to take the back half of the room and charge $200 a seat. Because some of y'all, y'all love the back. You're in love with the back. And so we, we might, I don't know. It's just a thought. We don't tax you at all. We don't do that. This is not about what we extract from you. This is about what God does in you when you prioritize Him and you follow the Word of God and the plan of God and live the life Jesus created you to live. And you will never hit that. When you're trying to live with one foot here and one foot here. When you're trying to lean into selfishness, instead of following what the word of God says, it's called discipleship. It means I'm becoming a disciple. I'm growing. I'm becoming more like Jesus. Even the Pharisees looked at Jesus and listened to him teach. But the disciples, they took what he taught. They embraced it and they brought it into their lives. They didn't just glance at Jesus or passively listen to Jesus. They applied what Jesus says. Wisdom. The greatest wisdom is applying what the Word of God says to my life, even when I don't like what it says. We support the mission and the vision and the work of God through people's donations, in heartfelt gratitude, obedience, and joyful generosity. Our perspective is not one of obligation. Rather, it's one of opportunity. We don't have to give. Ignite, you don't have to do this. You don't. And if you don't, I'm not mad at you. I'm sad for you. Because you're going to miss one of the greatest opportunities of your life to have an encounter with Jesus. We don't have to do this, but we do get to do this. God has called us to be a part of his work, so we partner with God as he changes lives. Check out the story from Jim and Katie. I want you to see this story.
1: I have definitely learned in life that you cannot outgive God. Probably the part of Scripture in Luke 21 that spoke to me personally um, earlier on to my um, walk with Christ was the widow's mite, and that she gave out of her need, not out of her plenty. She gave out of her poverty, um, which was in her eyes everything she had um, versus giving out of plenty which is easier to do and i look back over a lot of years i began walking with the Lord at age 19 and i think of all of the financial heartaches that probably could have spared myself had i trusted god in that much of it you know earlier on it was um so proven uh, by God, but not just in the financial way, but also in um, a way of uh, blessing um, in some of my relationships that had been struggling, um, situations with my kids, some prayers that were unanswered, uh, and just a closeness to God. And as I saw Him uh, just faithfully come through on all these things, it just—I would just be, you know. Crying, driving, or something, you know, just out of the blue, because I was so humbled by God's faithfulness. And um, when I knew that I wasn't even giving so willingly, it was just still with a little bit of clawing and, you know, push, pull, drag kind of thing that I, I was just mentally still struggling with it, but I was just convinced. So I would definitely want to encourage anyone to come, try. You
2: won't be failed. As Katie said, you know, you talk about relationships, you talk about not only the financial aspect of it, but the rewards of what's actually coming. I can absolutely hands down tell you, before I started with C3, and that Katie came back into my life and and we have grown as a faithful household, changes are abound. Relationships with our children, uh, relationships with people at work, the calmness in our house—it's—it's it's just tenfold what I'm used to, uh, you know, prior to this. I've been able to see over the past five years a huge impact in our community. Uh, everything from schools, people—you uh, uh, know—participating in the food drives, uh, just a, a huge impact in people's lives, C3 has definitely, you know, put a a wonderful aspect to my life. And now I can't even imagine not being a part of C3.
0: I love that couple. I love what God's doing in people's lives. I love how God is working in people's lives. It is profound. This is why I get excited about this. I I know what God's going to do in the life of C3. He's already doing it. I'm jacked about what he's going to do in your life. And your spiritual journey. I want you to notice the commitment card. In fact, if you'll take that and just open it up on the inside. We're not filling it out today, but I want to do what the Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul says in the Word of God. I I want us to be ready. I want us to be prepared. So if you look at the commitment card, that first thing you're going to do toward the bottom is you're going to put your name on it. You're going to put your name on it because I want to be able to pray for you by name. Our team wants to be able to pray for you by name over the next two years in this journey. And, And if you'll please Print clearly, like when Angie and I do this, I have her fill it out because you can't read my writing. People can't say, you should have been a doctor. Well, I'm not, <laughs> but you can't. I have a doctor's writing, though. So we want to be able to read it, your name, address, all that information at the bottom. And then the top line right there, what we or I normally give in one year. Last year, whatever you gave to C3, that's what you normally give. That's what you're going to put in that line. I, I'm going to continue what I normally gave, what I gave last year. The second line, my or our expanded annual generosity. God, in this journey, as I've been seeking Him and praying about my part, He's leading me to give an additional whatever's in that second line. You add those two up, and they go in the third box, times two because it's two years, and then to the right, that top box, that's the first part of the equation. Then that next box, some of you, not all of you, but some of you, God's going to lead you to sell some stocks. Maybe you sold real estate. You want to give a portion of that profit, or maybe you have a savings account. Man, God's leading us to take part of that. Whatever that second is, you you put on that second line, if God leads you to do that, some of you who will, and then you'll total those two, and that goes on the big line, and that is your two-year commitment. This simply helps you plan and helps us plan with our budget. This is not just paper. It is a spiritual tool that captures in a moment your personal journey. And as you do this, let's be true to what the Scriptures say about how we believe the God we say we love. Don't slide to a comfortable place. Let me encourage you. Step into courageous and watch what God does. Some of you, we've been in this. This is our fourth Sunday. You've been praying and you have a number. And some of you, I've already heard from one person that said this, God's changed their number. Some of you, that's going to happen this week. Generosity is more about priorities than percentages. Generosity is more about sacrifice than the size. Generosity is more about the attitude than the amount. We come to one of the most quoted verses in all the Bible. The Spirit of God wrote this over 2,000 years ago through Paul. And our God has never lied, not one time. And notice what he says. This is for you. This is for me. A real-time snapshot of what generosity looks like. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart, the process of praying and seeking God, filling out that card to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, not because I'm asking you to, not because you feel pushed into it. We're not twisting in the arms here. This is about a journey with you and Jesus for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, he'll take it from a grumpy one too, but he he loves a cheerful giver. When I think about where we are as a church, It's baffling to me. To think that God would show his favor on C3 the way he has in a time when churches are declining, the average attendance in the United States on Sunday morning of a church is 65 people today. 52% of churches in the United States are in decline. 5,000 churches close their doors permanently every single year. More churches close every year than churches that are started every year. Churches are releasing staff, cutting back ministries. But there are 460,000 people within driving distance counting on us to actually love Jesus and love others and not just say we do. And they're counting on us to do it right now. Did you know that Orlando, Florida is now in the top 10 unreached, unchurched cities in America. The opportunity is massive. We've seen God bless in such a unique way. We've added the third service. 526 people have given their lives to Jesus. 577 students, teenagers, have experienced C3 students. 740 children have been exposed to teaching about Jesus on their level by adults that love them and serve them well. 190 people have taken their next step in baptism in just the last little over two years. Marriages have been restored and enhanced. Parenting has been supported and improved. The challenges we face as a church, because every church has challenges, man, I'll take ours any day of the week. The challenges we face are a result of the blessings of God and the growth and life change that he brings because only God can do it. And because of that, Ignite, it's not just something we have to do. It's something we get to do. So as we move into this week, I want to ask you to be here next Sunday. I want to ask you to pray like crazy this week and really solidify what God will have you do as your part, if you're part of C3. If you're a guest, please don't feel obligated. Please don't feel obligated to participate. I just want you to have full insight into what we're doing. If you're a leader, if you serve, if you volunteer in any ministry in any capacity, please make it a priority above everything else to be here Wednesday night to celebrate with us, to seek God with us, to worship with us, and to make your commitment because leaders go first. And everybody that's part of C3, listen, you can't do everything, but you can do something. The primary goal is 100% engagement because we're in this together, and I don't want you to miss what God wants to do in your life. And remember, there's always a blessing on the other side of obedience. I told you what Angie and I have committed, and I've told you that because I think it's unfair if I were to ask you to do something I'm not willing to do. What I need you to know is that the commitment we're making, it's not an easy one. It stretches us. We we didn't just look at the card and say, okay, what can we afford? We really prayed through this and asked God, and, and what God told us, it scares me. I made that commitment, we made that commitment, and I shared it with you. After that, After that, Angie heard from one of her sisters. Angie's not had any relationship with her father since 2011. He's not a good man. That's all I'll say. He passed away a little over a year ago. She and one other sister were written out of the will because they told the truth about some things. She got nothing. That's fine. But after God led us to commit what we're committing, and after I told you what God was leading us to do, a few days ago she was contacted by our sister and said, Listen, there was a wrongful death lawsuit with our dad, and it's settled. And because it's in the state of North Carolina, even children that were written out of the will by law have to get their portion. I had no idea. Blessings always come on the other side of obedience. And I want you to experience that. Now, I need to be honest with you. We have no idea what that amount's going to be. It doesn't matter to me. Here's what matters. I have a bride who was traumatized by her father and tossed out by her family. And just a few days ago, it was like God said to her, I see. you." The amount doesn't matter. It's just the fact that God did something special for her. (laughs) Frankly, what we've committed to, I have no idea how it's going to work. I just know God always works it out. And blessings are always on the other side of obedience. And all I want you to do, all I'm asking you to do, is to be obedient in what God leads you to do. And to not settle for comfort, but step into the courageous and watch God not only work through the church. God's going to work through the church. I'm not worried about that. I just don't want you to miss God working through your life. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for how much you love us. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be a part of Ignite, to be a part of what you're doing through this local church, these amazing people that you love, and the way you're going to use us to love other people. So I pray that this week we would seek you, that you would speak to us, that we would hear from you, that we would be courageous, not comfortable, and we would stretch because we love you and we love people with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you know that the next step you need to take in your spiritual journey is to invite Jesus to come into your life. You've not taken that step and you know that, man, I need to invite Jesus into my life. I need to experience the forgiveness of my sin. I want to make sure I've got a home in heaven after this life. And I want the Spirit of God in my life day by day working in and through me. Man, I can't think of a better day than to do that today. And by the way, remember, blessings always follow obedience. So if the Spirit of God is speaking to you, if there's something on the inside saying, man, that's the step I need to take, I want to invite you to pray this very simple prayer. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. The Bible says in Matthew 6 that Jesus knows even our thoughts. So if you'd like to invite Jesus to come into your life today, just pray this prayer. Dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life, forgive my sin, and help me to live for you. As best I know how, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: If you just pray that prayer, Pastor Byron would love to know it. You can text your first name to 407-487-8311. And we also want to thank you for your faithful generosity. Because of the way you give, lives are changed every single week. You can go to our safe and secure website, givec3.cc, or text C3 Orlando to 779-777. We also want to let you know if you are local in the Orlando area, we have three services now. You can come at 9.30 or 11 a.m. or 6 p.m. We'd love to see you there. Have a great week.